Cosmic Canvas Studio presents What Lies Between Sleep. Books. They aren't just for nerds anymore. Welcome to today's episode of Dreamlights, a journalistic look at a world unseen. I think that's going to be our slogan. Sounds good, doesn't it? Really covers up the fact that I sound like a crackpot. So I know we were all excited to get a lead from an old man we're going to be calling Franklin. I want to get right into it. I called Frank and he was more than happy to answer my questions. I told him that I was a journalist, researching some serious topics. He was no stranger to journalism and was eager to help me locate books of any nature. I gave him a few subjects and then he asked my email. A few hours. HOURS, people! I got this email. Master Bernard, it was a pleasure talking to you. I must admit, it has been some time since someone has approached asking me about the esoteric world. I pride myself on both discretion and knowledge about the various writers in these fields. As to your inquiry about Arthur Cunningham, I can tell you that there are currently two copies of the book you described, both fourth edition that are for sale. These are owned by private collectors, so the price point will be a matter of negotiation. If you like... I would be more than happy to inquire upon pricing and will only charge you a 15% markup as my fee. As to your second inquiry about the subject of Giallo, I know of a very unpopular text written during the Reconstruction Era by a young woman who made claims that she could conjure messengers made of silver. She wrote a small pamphlet and distributed them all over the countryside of Massachusetts. The name of the text? The Giallo Path. I have a supplier who is willing to sell a replica of the text for $12 plus tax. Shall I place the order? <laughs> Will you guys look at this stuff? This guy is the real deal. You know, I'll be honest, in all my searching, I didn't once consider telling a professional book collector about what I needed. This is going to make navigating things a lot easier in the future. I'll have to see what the asking price is for the Cunningham book. I've kept up my day job and I've been saving for this exact scenario. I sure hope one of these collectors is willing to sell for like 300 bucks. Cause then maybe I can talk them down to my price. Okay, so I have received another email and a package from good old Frankie. Package first or email? Just kidding, let's tear this sucker open. Oh, it's like an unboxing video without the video. Master Bernard. Enclosed is a replica of a pamphlet on the occult, distributed in 1867 by Abigail, the messenger sent. A bit of a history on Miss Abigail is written by the distributor of these artifacts, a Charles M. Haverson. Miss Abigail was an underfed teenage girl with a strange predilection for covering her hands in silver paint. Her sickly visage and strange hands betrayed the level of her sanity. She would often shriek at strangers, demanding that they take her pamphlet. By all accounts, she was insane and a beggar, although the pamphlet itself showed a startling level of detail and mythology. 37 pages long, the Giallo Path includes strange and complex language, as well as alien dialogue. It has been suggested that she suffered from hypergraphia that resulted in the creation of this document. The work was widely condemned by the local clergy at the time, and in 1868, Miss Abigail was brought up on blasphemy charges. Her fate would take a strange turn, for as she awaited her trial in her jail cell, she would simply vanish without a trace. No one ever saw her again. There was no damage to her cell, nor evidence of a breakout. The most popular theory is that she convinced the jailkeeper to let her free, 
or that a priest took her away to send her to a convent for spiritual healing. No evidence supports either of those two theories. Well, isn't this interesting? Let's take a look, shall we? This is section one of the Giallo Path, written in English, thank God. To break the black gate is to become free. Let us denounce sleep for the harlot she is, and become as we were meant to be. Followers of the mighty things that watch and wait. We are as great treasure to them, to be loved and cherished. Each night they strive to take hold of a mortal. For we can do that which they cannot. Interesting. I'm gonna furiously write down all of this in my notes. Continuing. There are those who see servitude as cruel, but they have been misled. Power awaits. True power for those who walk the Giallo path. You were bid to call upon the entities within this book, to ask the great and terrible things that wait and watch to take you as their slave. And you shall serve for a time at their behest, but over a century you will become as they. You shall hold a power not known to any mortal. You shall ascend. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> and that's just in the introduction here. So, I'm flipping through the pages, and I'm noticing about three different sections. First is a surefire method of reaching Giallo. The second is a list of what she calls great judges to call upon. And then third, what looks to be just a whole mishmash of words and letters and symbols jumbled together. Interesting. Hard to tell if this is just madness, or, or maybe some kind of code? So, let's go over the first section. Whoa. The tone totally changes here. It's like poetry, well, sorta. Here goes. The bed, the bed. It breaks and calls and falls and lies. You sleep and wake, you rise and fall. Your eyes close and you lose it all. Say not to sleep, say not to sleep. Eyes open wide, stay, stay, stay. Three times until the third hour past the bell. Three times you must cry out your window. Sleep. I renounce. Sleep. I denounce. I detest. I protest. Sleep be damned. Whoa. Oh, man. And here's another shift in tone right after this. Upon the renouncement of sleep, you shall be visited by a silver-clad messenger. She will be of great beauty. A beauty that can be yours to behold and possess. You must open your window to her and take what she gives. Then, and only then, may you rest your head. Be warned to those who wish to meet the great judges. You must make known the one you wish to entreat. And there's a bunch of instructions on how to summon a specific great judge. Let's move over to the next few pages where... Ooh! Hey, we got some pictures here. There's this guy looks like a pillar with eyes. Oh, man. It's like a profile. Like a really messed up Wikipedia entry. Quaride, the watcher on marble, the suitor of halls, the cold and cunning. His dominion expands greatly with each movement of his servants. He is keen to reward those who obey his every word. You shall not shed your earthly form while serving him. Interesting. A lot of other names here. Some pictures. No Eshuel, though. Damn, that's the one I'm most curious about. Eshuel the Blind. Huh, here's a picture of a nymph. Except, her fingers are made of other women? That's kind of bizarre. She's gigantic. Oh, these words are literally just jammed together. Not even any vowels. Plidwix? Plidwix. 
The Siren Singer, the False Whisperer, the Word of Words. Lidwicks governs those whose spirits enter and leave Giallo. The Silver Nymphs who bear messages, the Yellow Nymphs who bear lies, and the Ivory Clawed who find the stray and the lost. Ivory Clawed! I recognize this name! Interesting. Okay, so from context, it looks like these things can leave Giallo at will. As in, they can move out of the Gialic realm and into our world. Hmm. They can move somewhat like a nymph, or perhaps nymphs, now that I look at Plidwicks. Apparently there are far more than just one. A lot of data to sift through, a lot of interesting stuff, but my question is, how much of this is actually true? I mean, the woman who wrote this was clearly off her rocker. Uh, but then again, that's what people are going to say about me in the future. Hmm. Gonna have to take a break here, folks. Lots to read. I'll update you when I got a handle on this paper. Well, it has been an eventful week. I, uh, paused the podcast so I could get to work on reading all this stuff, and eventually decided to turn in. There was a lot to figure out when looking at such a big document, so I figured I'd just get to it all in the morning. But before I went to sleep, I just couldn't stop staring at the jumble of words in the last section. It was like this big wall of words that made no sense. Lots of symbols. Plus signs, crescent moons, that sort of thing. I just kind of took each page in, trying to figure out if it meant something. But hey, I'm no codebreaker. Yet. Anyway, so off to sleep I drift. But I had the most vivid dream. It's pretty nuts, so here, here goes. I was floating in a sea of stars. Literally, like an ocean, but there were thousands upon thousands of stars in the water, bobbing like buoys. I was lucid, but not fully aware. Not like I was in Giallo. As far as I could still tell, I was still in a dream. Which, which makes this next part really worrisome. She emerged from the water. A giant, whose entire body seemed to be made out of the same starry ocean that I was treading water in. Her head... Oh, her enormous head looked down at me, and she laughed a little, oh, raising her terrible hands. Ugh, I think of the creeps when I think about those hands. Each finger was a full-grown woman, bound in seaweed, each screaming to me for help. They writhed constantly, trying to escape, but it was of no use. They were the fingers of this giant woman. I made the perfectly healthy decision to try and swim away as fast as possible, but the tides kept carrying me back. Eventually, I grew exhausted and couldn't swim any longer. That is when she spoke. A strange mortal to summon me and then flee, she said. Most call me because they wish a favor, a boon. I didn't know what to say. Eventually, I began to realize that this woman was Plidwick's. Mind you, I was still in a dream, so my reasoning abilities were diminished, but the sooner I figured out who she was, the more lucid I became. I told her to go away, to, to leave me alone. In fact, I didn't even know how she got in my dreams. So I even yelled out for the Guardian to help me, but that just made her laugh. Apparently, Plidwicks can enter dreams when people call her. And guess what that long series of madness scribbled in the back of my pamphlet was? It was a kind of code, like an activation. By reading those words so intently, I had signaled to her that I wished to speak. But I didn't want to speak to her at all. At least, not when I was completely caught off guard like this. I told her to go. She frowned at me and leaned in close. I could feel her hot breath coming down like steam on me, engulfing my entire body. Ugh. 
and as she loomed above me, she took her right hand and bit the woman right off of her thumb. Just popped the screaming poor woman into her mouth as if it were nothing. And where the now-gone thumb was, another woman began to grow, taking her place. Oh, once this poor girl became aware of what was happening, she just began to scream endlessly. <sighs> Plidwix chewed for a moment, and then opened her mouth, revealing a new woman. She had the same face as the one devoured, but now her body was made of silver, and she laughed just as her mistress did, and fluttered through the air, leaving my dream through a small portal. So, yeah, I guess that's where these nymphs are coming from. From the mouth of a gigantic horror, I asked what she expected from me. She replied that she was here to offer me a single boon, and in return, I would do her the favor of giving her access to one of my dreams. I didn't know what that meant, but you can be damn sure I said no. I'm not dealing with these so-called great judges. No way. She mocked me and said, I quote, They always say no the first time, but sooner or later they come back. They read the Ixwill cipher and summon me. My power is too great to ignore. And, uh... Well, for the sake of cataloging, I asked exactly what she could offer. And with a shrug, she said I could either send a nymph to steal someone's memories, dispatch an ivory claw to devour my foes, or I could learn the name of another mortal's dream gate so that I may travel to it. And then she departed, faded away from me, and I was plunged into a nonsense dream where my mother was scolding me for not having enough boots in my car. So yeah, not only is entering Giallo dangerous, it would appear that reading certain things about Giallo could also pose a danger to me. But at least Plidvix wasn't malevolent. Yet. I know full well those women who were trapped were once mortals. Ah, damn it! I should have asked her about Abigail. Well, if Plidwix visits me again, I'll have to remember to ask. So, all in all, the Giallo path was a goodbye, but not what I was looking for. It has a lot of information, and a sheet of paper that can actually call a Demiurge, also known as a Great Judge, but that's too dangerous. There's nothing I really need here. No defensive techniques, no kick-ass magic spells, just a heap of more terrible things. But on the bright side, now we can officially start a Gialopedia. Maybe I can even index it on a computer, like build a database? That can't be too hard, can it? And with that, it's time to close out with our emails. We have done. I know, I know, we had a good crop last week, but today, nothing. So, come on people, send me something interesting. Until then, this is Bernard Sanderson saying, Don't stay up late reading. You never know what's on the next page. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to have one of your emails read by me on air, hop on Patreon and subscribe. Your support can help this podcast continue to grow and thrive. Check the show notes or head on over to www.whatliesbetweensleep.com for more info. And I'll see you next week.